everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners, where we learn about anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. The Todd Father. And welcome to 2018, and we have a great episode for you today. Caleb, I have one question for you. How much food did you eat over the weekend? Way too much food. We have been eating ridiculous amounts all through the holidays, and now it's time for us to not do that anymore. Hashtag New Year's resolutions. And speaking of New Year's resolutions, you know, we have a great guest today, and maybe some of what he's going to say might spark you to create some New Year's resolutions. Resolutions, not revolutions. Revolutions would be kind of weird. That'd be awkward. Anyway, we're talking with Brad Lominick today, and you may be familiar with Brad. He ran the Catalyst Conference for several years. He's wrote um, a couple of books and the Catalyst Leader and one of Todd's favorite books, H3 H3. Leadership. Love that book. Brad is, I'm so excited to be able to have us talk with, with Brad today. Caleb was a bum, and I was the one that had to do the interview, but it was still a phenomenal interview, even though our A-gun ace was not there. I'm just kidding. I'm better than him. Shut up, Todd. Brad's also the founder of the Blink Corporation, which does a lot of consulting, and if you want to find more information about that, you can check out our show notes as well. But there's one other thing that we want to let you know about. Boom sauce! Before we jump into our interview with Brad Lominick. And it's that for the entire month of January, we are going to be releasing two episodes a week. Times two. We're going to be releasing an episode like normal on Tuesdays, but we are also going to be releasing an episode on Thursdays as well. And so just as today's episode is dropping on Tuesdays, a couple of days from now, you could check out our next episode. Which we'll we'll tell you who that is at the end of this episode. But without further ado, we're going to jump into our conversation with Brad Lominick. Well, hey, Brad, we're so glad to have you today on the Learner's Corner. Thanks, Todd. Good to be here, man. Uh, so for those of you listening, uh, Brad Lominick, he's the uh, he was former. He, he led Catalyst for how many years? Over 10 years? Oh, gosh. It, it felt like, like 100, 100 years because of <laughs> the the dog years that get tied into Catalyst. But yes, it was uh, for around a decade, a little bit more than that. Yeah. So he, Brad, you, you're the author of uh, The Catalyst Leader and also uh, H3, which is one of my, th- those are two of my favorite leadership books. And so we're just so excited to be able to bring you on and, and just uh, have you have you talk with us for a little bit and, and see what we can learn from you. Well, good, man. I, listen, I'll pour out my cup. It's it's a it's a little small kid's cup, but uh, I'll pour it out and see what what's in there. That's 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 hilarious. Um, so one of the things that that Caleb and I are, are always really interested in are uh, so both of us we're both twenty five years old, and and we love learning from. I'm not going to say older. I'm going to say wiser. Leaders, there you go. leaders than us and just people who people who've gone gone before us and done things that we haven't done yet and so one of the, i guess the first thing we wanted to ask you is um what are some common challenges that you see when you just in your work with with blink or just in your time as a leader with catalyst for young leaders like what's a challenge what's some common challenges you've seen for young leaders well you know it's i don't think it's a lot different now than it has been for past generations. The difference is everything's sped up. And so the the, the cycle of time that, that a young leader expects to be stepping into places of influence or leadership or authority or being in charge or starting their own thing is now gone from, you know, I'll wait, I'll wait 15 years to 20 years to now I'll wait two years or I'll wait two months. And I love that. I love that premise, but it's also frustrating when you're 27, 28, 29, 31, and still looking around going, wait, like, when do I get to step into right. the place of, of leadership? And so that's that's a big one. And I think perspective always helps on that one in terms of the practical side is, sure. you know, don't don't let your don't let your your season right now, if you're young and you're not necessarily in the captain's chair, don't let that be frustrating. I mean, you know own and and sort of embrace the season you're in and that you know that'll take care of itself if if you're diligent and faithful and and doing what you what you really are designed to do you're 
you're crushing the current assignment, then that that next assignment of more authority will will quickly get put upon you. Because now more than ever, I mean this the same is true on the other side in terms of organizations now need you more than they've ever needed you as a young leader. Like you're gonna get actually elevated quicker than you should. So you're both expecting to get elevated faster and the organization has to elevate you faster because of all kinds of organizational challenges that you know we don't need to go into. That that's a big one. I mean, I think the 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 premise that I can do anything in the world is also a little bit of both I love the dreamer side of that. Sure. But it can also be it can also be so overwhelming that I end up just going in the corner and sucking my thumb. Because I look around at my friends and and think, well, if I'm not Mark Zuckerberg and I need to just go start Facebook by the time I'm 30, then my life's over. Right. And that's that's equally as damaging. You know, you've you've got one one of the greatest issues for young leaders right now is depression, which is being fueled by anxiety, which is being fueled by I thought I should be changing the world in this in this season, in this 10 year window of my 20s. And I don't feel like I have. So therefore, I'm just going to give up. And, you know, that's that's really, really toxic. And it's it's. It's a damaging thing for a lot of leaders, especially when, again, you, you're, you're 21 and you're thinking, man, by the time I'm 29, I'm going to start that social innovation company and I'm going to take that company public and I'm going to be Blake McCoskey from Tom's and I'm going to have started the great, you know, next organization. And that's just not normal. You know, the, the normal thing is to use your 20s to work on your who. And to really establish that foundation for the next 50 years of your run, you know, so those are a couple of things that come to mind. So many things that just came out of that that I want to ask you. The first one is just as a as an employer, as a person who who uh, has founded a, a company in Blink and, and also run Catalyst for as many years as you did. Is, th- is that something with young leaders that you are looking at as, as something that's that's. Don't stop that. Like, don't do that. Don't want. Don't think that you need to rush through it. Or is that something that you embrace and, and, and try to help them cultivate that 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 ambition? Like, is that an, is that a positive or a negative? Well, it, I think it's both, depending on the way you look at it. And what I would lean towards is definitely the positive side of that, which is I want to unleash and 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 really like release young leaders to to go and do something in their twenties that never before has been available or, or even their teens. You know I mean? Just this idea that the first quarter of your life can be, can be impactful. It, the, you know, my generation, we kind of sit in between where the generation before me said, you got to wait till you're 45 or 50 before you can ever have significance. And my generation sort of heard that and then tried to trans translate it. Your generation, those in their twenties, look at that and go, I'm not waiting for significance. I want impact and significance. Now I want success and significance in my 20s equally as much. So I love that. I, I am a huge fan. I'm I'm bullish on on that side of the idea that no, you you can you can make a difference right now. You can you you have the skills. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the experience, but you do have the the passion. You do have um, the information, because information is more available than it's ever been. You can figure out how to do it. You can go watch YouTube and basically start your own company. I mean, that, sure. that's kind of where we sit today. And, and so I want to I fuel that in definitely in young leaders, but I also want them to understand that, that there's, there's context and there's perspective, and you, you have to approach things with, with an understanding that, um, you know, if you, get to the, if you get to the end of your 20s, and you look around and go, man, I've had had four different jobs. Um, I feel like I'm going in circles. I don't really feel like I established anything. I would I would look at that and go, hold on a second. Let's talk about the four jobs you've had and what you've learned. You know, let's let's look at that and see how it's moved you towards actually getting way clearer on your sense of calling. You know, maybe it was four things that you know now. Okay, that's not it. Like that that's not the sweet spot for me. Great. Like you, you actually moved the ball down the court um, compared to that was just a waste of time. Sure. So uh, kind of going off of that a little bit, 
So you talked about how um, the, your 20s are more of something where you're kind of establishing and, and figuring out your who. Uh, what, what, would, what would you say would be some keys for folks? Because I, I hear that a lot, kind of uh, just working in church world, where people who I'm around, they hit 30, 31, and they're going, man, I feel like I wasted my 20s. Um, what would be some keys or some things that you would say would be important for young leaders to kind of begin to work through and think through um, to kind of discover their who? Well, it's it's internal and external for sure. So the internal part of that is is your 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 ability to have self awareness. That's a big one. Um, it's it's understanding the way you're made, and a lot of us we skip that step because we go we go immediately to the what, right? And that's the question everybody asks you in college, right? The, the question everybody asks in college is, "What are you majoring in?" Yep. That's a that's a good question, but I really want to know, like, no, how are you wired? Who, who, who are you? What's your DNA? Like mm. at the end of the day, like there's a, there's a God designed intricate piece to who you are. And you gotta, you gotta really work on that. I mean, that, that, that takes energy and it takes, you know, I tell 20 somethings and for that matter, anybody, but especially 20 somethings, get your hands on as many personality tests as many assessments, as many of those things you can find, you just keep doing them because that's going to help you to, to be self-aware. Um, so that's where it's got to start, you know, and then out of that, you'll start to hopefully get into some of the pieces that will, will start to answer the question of calling. Um, and, and calling, we, you know, we think, we think that calling is, is, is very specific. It can be. Assignments are specific. So the, the, you know, I, I write about this in H3, that identity is who you are, calling is why you're here, and assignment is what you do. And we, we, we tend to focus so much more on the assignments, on what we do, compared to figuring out the identity, which is who, and then the calling, which is why. And if you can answer the, if you can be really clear by the time you're done with your 20s on, on the who and the, and the why, then your what will take care of itself. And many times the what will actually then help you figure out what the why is. Um, so, you know, that's what I mean by focusing on who. The other piece of that is then the external who, which is friendships. It's, it's spouse. It's the people you're going to do life with. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm given the opportunity to choose between two different job opportunities, as an example, and I'm 23, and one of them has a better salary but the other one has a better person to work for. I'm taking the better person to work for every time. I want to go get around people who I can actually learn from and start to emulate, and they become a case study for me to, to grab onto. So for me, when I was 25, you know, I went and worked. Um, I went and worked for a couple of guys who were doing management consulting. I didn't know anything about management consulting. They were in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I didn't know anything about Fayetteville, Arkansas. But I wanted to be around some guys that I really admired and I could learn from, regardless of what they were doing. And those years were instrumental for me. Um, you know, did I learn about management consulting? Sure. But it was all about, like, who do I get to hang out with? Who, whose bags do I get to carry? You know, who, who do I get to sit with in the boardroom and watch them work? And that, that is so important. You know, so if you've got a job opportunity, if you've got different things you're looking at, that the person you're going to work with and the person, the people you're going to work beside, the, those are equally, if not more important than, than actually what you're going to do. So that's, that's the other side of who the external who. Love that. What are, what, what are some things that young leaders tend to underestimate that we should not be? Oh, okay. Yes, definitely. Um, well, no question that your that your spiritual foundation is paramount. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the disciplines and the habits that feel like the broccoli of life, the spinach of life, right? I mean, it's the stuff that's not sexy. But man, those, those, are, those are crucial. I mean, it's, it's scripture memory. It's, it's um, establishing a rhythm of life. It's saying no to things that you probably wouldn't should say yes to depending on culture. Um, but yet you're saying, no, like I'm going to go spend time working on something that's going to, that's going to help me 30 years from now. 
So that long-term perspective is part of the, the, the habits and the disciplines in your 20s that the people will look at you and go, really? Come on, bro. For real? Like you're going to stay home on a Friday night? We get, we got we got to go out. We got to like go have fun. We got to go to that, that game. We got to go to that party. We got to go see that movie. And your response is, no, I'm going to, I'm going to read a book. Well, you know, that's, that's establishing habit and rhythms that will fuel you, you know, 30 years from now. Um, I had a guy that, that, you know, was my a mentor for me in my twenties when I was working on a ranch in Colorado, I was a cowboy you know, wore the tacky Western shirt and the cowboy hat and all that stuff. And he would, we would meet every Friday morning for breakfast out on this ranch in the middle of the mountains. And he would tell me constantly, your 20s establish your 70s. And he was a 75-year-old man. And he would say, your 20s establish your 70s, Brad. Like what you're doing now is the foundation for, for what you will become later. And, and at the time I was, I thought, okay, that's cute. But do I really believe that? I mean, am I thinking about legacy at this point in my 20s? Yes, you actually are. You, you, you need to be thinking equally about legacy as much as you are like short term. Um, and so that's, that's paramount. I mean, you know, ask that we, um, we also tend to think, especially today, because information is more readily available than it's ever been. And a lot of 20 somethings think if I have the right answer, then I win. Mm. And I would say, no, the right question gives you instant credibility. So that's something a lot of people underestimate is the power of a question. A great question will elevate your credibility quickly compared to thinking you, and you might have the right answer. You just Googled it. You know, you got, you got to Google faster than everybody else. Congratulations. Way to go. That's awesome. But I would say, again, don't worry about the, the answer, but, but be a great question asker. So you underestimate many times in your 20s the power of walking into a room and then walking out and everybody going, who is that? I've never, I've never met someone who was more curious. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a powerful thing to start to work on at 23, 24. I love that. So on the flip side, like, what are some things that young leaders tend to overestimate? Things that right now might be hyped that you're going, man, that's not at all where I'd be putting my energy. Just things that are overestimated by young leaders. Well, definitely um, we overestimate our major, you know, especially in your college years. Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not discounting the, the educational process. What I am discounting is this. Ask the normal, the normal average person in their 30s, are you still in the place that you were that you thought you would be from a major perspective. And I think the stats are, are around like, you know, less than 10% of people actually stay in that same lane. So while it's important, it doesn't necessarily give you the right runway. So part of your, part of what you have to think about is, is how am I creating life experiences in my early twenties and especially in college years and even educational stuff. We also, you know, I think I think this is changing, but but this has been the tendency. We put a lot of emphasis, especially in the church, we put tons of emphasis or used to on the power of education in terms of I got my master's, I got my PhD. Who cares anymore? I don't care. I've never hired anybody based on looking at your GPA. I've never really hired anybody based on your major for that matter, and or your your you know, your master's level or PhD level. So a lot of us still think that that's the route to greatness. It can be part of the route, but I don't think it's, I think we still are overestimating it. Now this is changing again. The average 20 something today is looking around going, I'm not even going to college. Right. My parent, my parents are freaking out, but I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go work as an intern for three years and just get on, you know, real world experience. And you see a lot of new programs launching where that's becoming more and more the norm. Um, you know, I also think that, especially in the church, we overestimate how important it is to go work in a place, especially in a location where it feels like they're, they're the experts or they're the leading 
you know, first place getters on the contest. So all of all of you listening who are in your 20s and you're working in the middle of Nowhereville, you're out in, you know, red dirt, Iowa. I don't know if there is a red dirt, but <laughs> there should be. And you're thinking, man, at some point I got to get to Hillsong. I got I got to get to Hillsong. Well, you know what? I love Hillsong and I'm a huge fan of all the people I know from Hillsong. They're amazing. But you don't have to get there in order to develop into the leader that God wants you to be. And now, I think you want to have the same sort of standards potentially that Hillsong has. And you want to like you want to you want to have this you want to carry yourself in the same way. But you can do that in red dirt. So don't 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 overemphasize if I only get to that location or that place, I'll have arrived. That's a that's a really bad way to look at again where you've been placed. You know, I know lots of leaders who are unknown out of the middle of nowhere who can they can lead circles around all the other leaders out there. And just the fact that they're not in a place that's more well known, you know, quotations, that that's that doesn't mean that you you're you're JV. Awesome. So it sounds like what and this is an interesting thing. And I'd just like to hear your thoughts on it. How important then is it to really develop what type of standards you wanna you wanna set in terms of whatever whatever it is. So say you're an entrepreneur or you're like a like you're a pastor or whatever it is. What should we be thinking and doing as young leaders in terms of setting standards of excellence? Like how should we kind of yeah. thresh thrash through that? Well, first of all, you know, set a standard that 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 you can't reach. That that's that's part of the the pull and the and the challenge of a standard that that is. It's not that it's unattainable, but you you want to set a standard that you look at and go, oh my gosh, wow. For example, this is just one area. You know, set a standard that you're going to read 52 books this year. You, you say, you know what? I want to be a learner. I want to be a hungry, curious, 20-something learner. Great. Read a book a week. Now you're going to look at that and go, Brad, there's no way. Well, there is a way. Sure, there is. You know, um, you, you set a standard that says, I'm going to go visit or I'm going to, I'm going to do research on the top, what I think are the top 20 youth ministries in the country. Great. That the, how do you do that? We'll figure it out. You know, that's a standard. Those are all the things that you put in place then to say, I'm going to keep getting better. And the reality is this, that just because you're in a place that doesn't require that of you, doesn't mean you shouldn't be living it out. And many of us, we allow the standard to be set by our boss or the organization or the culture we're in. And I would say, not wrong. No, you're not, you're not reflecting. It's, you know, it's the classic thermometer versus thermostat example. You're you're actually setting the tone. You're you're not reflecting the standard. You're creating a new one. And I love when I see a young leader who is on a team. I don't care if they're the intern, and they raise the standard. And that's that's when you start to have a, a culture that is healthy and it's it's innovative and it's it's allowing people on the farthest places out from the core to actually like you know. To actually make a difference and have impact, you know. So, so don't let your boss, your organization, your church, don't let the staff handbook be your standard. I want you to like maybe maybe tomorrow after you hear, listen to this, just like take that staff handbook or the organizational manual or whatever it is, and take it in to the whatever team you're part of, and just hold it up and get a lighter out and burn it, and watch it go up in flames. And everybody's going to go, what are you doing? And you're, you're going to say, you know what? I don't need this to tell me what my standard is. Because my standard is so much better and, and more accountable than anything that will ever be put in a handbook. And everybody will look at you like you're crazy. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, you're, you're, it's, it's Nick Saban, man. I'm a college football nut. What does Nick Saban say to his team? He says, play to your ability and to our standard, and that you're playing against perfection. You're not playing against Mississippi State, even though they're on the field. 
we have a standard that is way better than Mississippi State, you know, compared to other teams where they, they play down to their competition. And that's what we want to have a mindset of is my, my standard is not based on things around me. It's not based on circumstances. It's, it's based on what I've set and I'm not going to rely on the organization to give me that. I love that. So Brad, you've been surrounded by uh, just many leaders and you're a leader yourself. Uh, so what are, what are some habits um, that you've kind of picked up along the way that, that you think that some, some of the younger leaders maybe need to be picking up and, and beginning to form now? as opposed to, to, to years from now? What are some things that we need to be thinking about and habits we should be, we should be forming? Well, definitely the learning, the, the habit of learning, and that you're a lifetime learner. And, and most of us think once we're done with college, we're done. Hmm. That's the last textbook I'm ever going to read. I'm done with that. Thank you. Praise Jesus. It, it's over. It's the last class I ever got to go to. And no, that's, just, that's the beginning of your, of your journey of learning. And now here's the great news. Now you get to actually learn what you want to learn. You don't have to go back to, you know, um, English art history. Yeah. Exactly. Like I said through art history and thought I'm going to, I'd rather shave my head with a cheese grater than, you know, <laughs> than listen to art history or be a, be in this art history class. But, but I get to learn now what I, what I really want to learn. Um, so that's a, that's a habit that you got to put in place. I mean, the curiosity, we talked about that. Like you're a great question asker. Um, that that's a habit, you know, and you, every room you walk into, every time you meet somebody, your, your goal is to, is to suck the life out of them in a good way, because you're, you're just pulling all of the wisdom from them. And that's, that's a, that's a powerful thing. Um, you know, I, I, I think this, this premise that, and, and I, this is what I struggle with, Todd, like this is for me, one of the great challenges of leadership is that I always have to have to maintain this understanding that success is not about me. It's about others. And my leadership scorecard is based on people around me getting better. Mm. And if I don't help other people get better as part of leadership and a team and an organization, especially those who are closest to you on your team, then your leadership scorecard is a cumulative F. And, you know, especially those of us who are ambitious or type A's, we, we tend to think, well, if, if I crush it, then everybody else will, will line up and, and they'll, they'll actually like, they'll come along with me. And that's true for the most part. But, you know, leadership is, is, is about having people who follow you and it's about influencing people and it's about customizing the way you lead people on your team based on the way they want to be led. Not the way you think they want to be led or that you have been led. And so this one is really important. You know, the, the, the habit of saying, I'm going to start to put in place this understanding that, that I have to lead people individually. I have to customize the way I lead people to get the best out of them that helps them thrive the most compared to I'm going to create, you know, my system. And if you don't like it, we'll hit the road, Jack. And that doesn't work anymore. That used to be true. And everybody would just say, it's my way or the highway. You know, I'm the boss and I'm in charge. And if you don't like it, then get out of here. The young leaders don't, won't put up with that anymore. Nobody wants to be on that team. In fact, if you're leading that way, then you're probably looking around going, where is everybody? Because they've all left. Um, so we have, to, we, have to be, we have to be really, really dialed in to customizing how we lead people. And if you'll do that and you help them thrive, then... You know they'll they'll show up in droves. How do you do that as a young leader, though? Um, I think a lot of people probably listening are, are young professionals who may have a person that's under them, but not necessarily yep. uh, a lot. How do you kind of begin to grow that mindset and, and, and begin to really cultivate that in a position where you might not have tons of people under you? Yep, you're leading up. This is this is this is true. You you lead up way before you lead down, or you lead across. And leading up requires the same level of accountability. Even if you don't have anybody you're leading, you're still acting and dressing and speaking and talking and, and showing up and all the things that are action verbs. You're doing all that with the mindset and the understanding that you're already doing it. You're already there. So you're, you're, pl you're practicing like you're the starter. 
And most of us think, oh, when I get in charge, I'll do it different. We'll start doing it different now. It's Clay Sproggins' book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. You got it, man. You got it. And I love Clay. And the, the, all the stuff that Clay says in his book is true. And, and we think, well, but again, Brad, like, I don't have anybody on my team. I'm not leading anybody. The wrong answer. You are leading people. Now, you don't. They're, you're not in charge of them. You're not signing their paycheck. You got it. But you're still leading them. You're leading your boss or your manager or your supervisor as much as they're leading you. You just don't have the authority. But if you influence them, that's the definition of leadership. So it's it's all still the same premise. You're just you're just not in that place yet where you have the title. And that seems to be a mindset that 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 you're talking about. That what what would be some other mindsets you would think of that young leaders just need to get rid of? And I think that would be definitely one is that you're not yeah. a leader if you don't if you don't have people on your team. What would be some other mindsets you could think of that would be just hey get get rid of that? That's that's not anything you need to be participating in. Well, we talked about the the one of you know if I don't change the world by the time I'm 29, that my life's a complete disaster. That's a big one. Um, you know, that, that long-term mindset, that the faithfulness mindset, you know, the 50-year the, the run mindset. Um, I also would just challenge young leaders to quit thinking that, that older leaders are out to, out to keep you from actually being able to win. Wow. They, they, they're not. They're for you. They just don't know, how to, they don't know how to articulate it sometimes. And you're making it harder. You're making it harder because you're rolling your eyes or you're showing up late or you're, you know, you're walking in and going, what is, I don't really feel like doing that today. Shut up and do it. Right. I mean, that's, so you, you're part of the problem. And if you're part of the problem, you have to be self-aware enough to realize that, that you're part of the problem. You know, so most, most leaders, young or old, they don't set out at the beginning of the day and think, Man, if if I could just make that all those young leaders on my team really frustrated today, that would be a win. They're not thinking that. Nobody's walking in thinking I just want to I just want to put their life into total disarray. No, but sometimes you're making it worse because of your attitude, the way you show up, the posture, the way you listen, or the, that you don't listen. You know, the the way you respond to things, and you know. So again, like. Part of your mindset is that you're 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 taking the, the the perspective of an owner, and you're taking that perspective that you're in their seat, and you're having empathy. You know, the great way to lead up is empathy. I mean, Clay talks about that again again in his book. You know, empathetic leaders, especially when you lead up, are the best leaders. And and so you've got to have this mindset that that you already are you're already in the place where you want to be. And now you're thinking like them. And so you're giving them empathy. You're, you're allowing them to, you know, you're, you're saying the things that you need to say to them before they have to say it to you. You're saying, hey, I messed up on that compared to, well, I'm not even going to bring it up until they have to confront me in a really awkward way. No, like part of your, part of your job is to, you're going you're gonna to intentionally talk about it. Say, hey, you know what? I messed up on that. I'm sorry. It won't happen again. I'd really love for you to coach me up on how I make sure that I don't mess up again. That's man. When you do that, all of a sudden the old leader goes, "You're you're teachable." Oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. Um, love that. those are a few things. Love that. So let's go. We've been talking kind of. We've been kind of in the weeds talking about uh, things really uh, kind of in the weeds on that. But I just wanted to zoom out with you for a second. So we've talked a lot about learning and a lot about um, how we that should be something we should be adopting. And on your part of your website, you you send out an email that that talks about um, up and coming leaders and people like that as as part of something that you do. So as we're just talking about learning, who are some people that we should be learning from that not many people know about? Oh gosh! Um, if you could give me like a, two to three. You don't have to. You don't have to give me all of them. Sure. No, that's that's a great question. Um, well, I mentioned Clay Scroggins, you know, and I think you've had Clay on the yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, Clay came on uh, a couple months ago, uh, last month, two months ago. Yeah, you know, Clay Clay's a um, he's really sharp, and of course, being a part of North Point, you know, Andy Stanley is rubbing off on him. <laughs> so, 
Uh, that's 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 a good thing. You know, there there's um there's a couple of of voices for me that are more in the business space and especially leadership authors that I really love. Um, there's a couple of guys, Chip and Dan Heath, and some people might know of Chip and Dan Heath, but they wrote the book Switch. They wrote the book uh, Made to Stick, and they've got a new book out that I'm reading right now. It's it's just sort of top of mind called The Power of Moments, which is really, really helpful, especially if you're creating experiences, which all of us are. You know, if you're in the if you're in the business of 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 you know Sundays coming, then you're an experience creator. So that's that's one that I, I love sort of listening and reading and um, paying attention to what they're talking about. Um, there's a th- this one this one is totally off the map. Um, there's a guy that I haven't met yet, but I I love his newsletter, and it's called um, Redef R E D E F. And his name is Jason Hishorn, which nobody will know that name. But he basically is this curator, and he sends out, usually it's daily, but sometimes it's, you know, every couple of days. And it's this amazing newsletter that has, like, all these links to great articles in tech and in culture and in entertainment and sports. And um, I love just paying attention to what he's doing. And I actually found out about him from Gary Vaynerchuk because Gary said, somebody asked Gary Vaynerchuk, hey, what? what do you look at every day when you, you know, when you wake up? And he said, one of the things that he said was, I look at Jason Hishorn's webpage and I thought, well, if Gary's looking at it, then, right. you know, I'm going to pay attention to it. So those are a few. I mean, I could probably give you some more, but I'll stop there. Sure. There, there's a guy actually in St. Louis we interviewed on the podcast who does something similar to this, but he does it with photos. So he, he, he tells stories it's called St. Louis Graham. It's, a, it's an Instagram thing that he does. And he, he does this with photos really interesting i'll tell you about it uh, after we're done kind of we're done but we actually interviewed him on the podcast um, but he does something really similar to that with, with photos really cool that's awesome that's awesome um so just as we're starting to wrap up um what are some trends in leadership that right now are are either starting to, to kind of hit or things that we should probably be paying attention to that in the next three to five years it's going to be the it's going to be the thing well, definitely this idea of curator. I'm I'm convinced that the the future leader with the most influence is the one who actually aggregates and curates, compares compared to having to feel like you're the expert. And this has been this has been trending for a while. You know, if you think of the power of newsletters, or you think of the power of the aggregation site. I mean. At the end of the day, Facebook, as an example, Facebook is an aggregation site. Facebook has has expertise, but what they really do at the end of the day is they aggregate. Um, most social media companies, you know, Amazon is an aggregator. They have an expertise, but they're an aggregator. And so you've watched organizations rise that are aggregators, and now you're going to start watching people rise even more who are the true aggregators and curators. So compared to the old days of, you know, I'm the CEO. Or I'm the best-selling author. That's that's going to be a trend that you're going to watch happen. Now it's interesting when you think of what does that mean in the church, right? And I don't know what it, I don't know how it's going to impact that's the church really as much. I was thinking while you were saying that, I'm like, how does this going to impact what the church does? Right, and I I think we're starting to see it a little bit in that, um, you know, especially like multi-site churches um, or those who have different ex- multiple expressions. Um, here, here's a good example, or at least one that I'm thinking about is is Brian Houston as the as the founding pastor for the last 30 years of Hillsong. Just let's use Hillsong. They have 20 something campuses around the world. Most of the people who go to Hillsong campuses around the world don't know who Brian Houston is. Now they will over time, but. Is he is he living out the premise of this idea of a of a curator and aggregator? I think he is. Um, compared to, you know, well, is he the one that everybody is watching and everybody knows and everybody is sort of like, oh, Brian Houston started this, so I'm going to go to it. Um, you could argue maybe not. And so that's that's one example where the teaching pastor or the founding pastor or the lead pastor. Is a little bit more stage left 
for a lot of people around the world than they are like on the stage. Um, but it, that's that. It's going to be interesting how it how it unfolds. Um, let me give you a couple other trends. So, the, definitely the the premise that um, that social media has has moved everything towards short term mindset as it relates to influence and content and where I get information, um, how I'm making decisions. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see a trend that goes back towards not long-term thinking, but definitely like we're going to move away from, from the power of the, of the latest tweet or the power of the latest Instagram update. And, you know, I just think we're seeing it more and more that people are their um, analog is now going to be the experience creator going forward. So, you know, think of the youth pastor, how does the youth pastor compete? How do they compete from a leadership influence, getting an eighth grader to listen to them? Well, they definitely don't compete based on based on digital. And a lot of us in the church, are, we're still thinking like, how do we make our our youth experience on Wednesday night more digital? That's the wrong way to be thinking. It's actually how do we how do we make our youth experience more analog? If we're thinking that way, that's the trend, because all of a sudden, then you're competing in somewhat of a space that is not being dominated by anybody. And we all know this is true, that the average eighth grader, they are starving for authentic conversation compared to more digital expression. You know, so even in the conference world, the trend, the trend is going towards make it analog, make Make it now. That is, I'm not saying make it make it less excellent. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying like take away the the fog the fog machine and the and the the high def video screens. What I am saying though is that is we can't compete against that anymore. You know, so the the where the place we can actually make the most impact is actually in the analog world, which is conversations. It's it's community. It's how do I create a friendship? If somebody comes to a conference. How do I actually help them create one really meaningful friendship or connection? That's a win today compared to 20 years ago. The win was how do I get them to listen to Andy Stanley for an hour? And it, it doesn't mean Andy Stanley's not, not any good anymore. It just means that that if I'm coming to Catalyst, the average person coming to Catalyst, they've listened to Andy Stanley thousands of times potentially because they're it's free. I can get it anywhere. You know, content's a commodity now compared to conversations and community, those aren't commodities, those are experiences. So we, if, you're, if you're thinking about how do I create a conversation compared to how do I, how do I, how do I make sure we get the right content out, you know, the conversation, connection, and community, that's, that's where the real gold dust is going forward, especially as a church. So think about that. You know, content's still important, but it's not the leading indicator or the leading felt need or pain point for people. Um, so just as we're starting to wrap up, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is what's something that you're learning now? What's something that you're learning right now? Could be about anything. Good question. Um, well, I'm I'm really into like currently. I'm I'm thinking about this whole idea of of the the power of who. I mean, we talked about that earlier, and and what does that really mean? I mean, I'm not trying to be the anti Simon Sinek, which is you know start with why, and and find your why and the power of why. I'm I'm not anti that because I think that's incredibly important. But I am really like kind of dialed in on on this idea of who, and how do we how do we be intentional about about our who, as a leader especially. Um, I'm, I'm totally like geeking out on, um, on tech stuff. You know, I get like, I probably get 30 different newsletters each morning on different tech things, um, just because I'm interested in it and no, no other reason than I'm just, I just want to be a hungry, curious learner as it relates to what's happening in the tech world. I mean, arguably more than ever today, um, our, 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 
the business world, the markets, the economic uh, space is dominated by four companies. That that is like you know, Amazon is what 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 um, I guess I'm, you could say. Now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. Yeah, there are oh, yeah. probably like four to five to six companies. That's it. Wow. That's it. So, you know, what does that what does that mean? Like, are we all going to be cyberborgs in 20 years, and Jeff Bezos is going to turn us all into robots? <laughs> I mean, what, what's what's actually in that Amazon box you're getting? Oh. You know, all of us like we're 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 so sucked into the vortex of Amazon Prime, and I love it. I'm a I'm a I'm a fan. If you could ask if you could ask him one question, what would it be? Well, I would ask. Um, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, is this what you wanted to build? Like, is this thing out of control? And I know, I mean, he he wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't articulate it that way, or he wouldn't even admit that. But just this idea that you know, it or is this thing so big now? that it's almost too big, even from an organizational standpoint. Sure. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of necessarily that, you know, the, the government's going to like break it up and, and all cry that, you know, we're, we're, it's a monopoly and we've got to do what we did to the, to the phone company world back in the eighties. Um, but that's just something that I'm really curious about is watching Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google, those four, you know, yeah. they're pretty, they pretty much dominate. Yeah. You mentioned something that just as we're starting to wrap up, uh, what would, what's the, what's a couple of the other, those newsletters that you you're looking at every day? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get, um, I get a bunch like Seth Godin's that are just people that mm-hmm. they send basically their blog. Um, so Seth, Mike, Michael Hyatt is another one that I read, um, pretty much on a consistent basis. Um, and then I've got a bunch that are, there's one called the daily water cooler that is pretty interesting because they take like stuff from, from all different places. Um, there's one called the skim and and these are all, these are not Christian. So I don't want like, you know, somebody going to these sites and being like, Brad, I can't believe you sent me somewhere that, you know, is not God honoring. Um, but there's one called the skim that is really interesting as well, which basically takes the the day, the previous day's news, and then puts it sort of in this sarcastic kind of, you know, millennial perspective, which I love. Um, there's another one called Next Draft that I read quite a bit. And then I'm a podcast junkie, man. Like, I don't know if you are, Todd, but like I, I've listened to, how many, gosh. How many, how many are on your player right now? Well, I mean, I've got a list of about 100. I don't listen to all 100 of those. Um, but I probably do listen to 20 at least a week, or I try to, you know, like that are in kind of in the rotation. And then I'll, I'll basically go and look at those other 80 and just look for people that I want to listen to or interesting conversations or topics. Well, Hey Brad, uh, if people want to learn more from you, if they want to know more about blink or, or, or the books that you've written, uh, where can they find you on the net? And also, you know, where can they find you on social media? Everything is just my name. So Brad Lominick, L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. That's all social media and it's the website.com. So that's easy. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks, Brad, so much for uh, for spending some time with, with me and, and with Learner's Corner. Uh, really appreciated you. Thanks, Todd. It's fun, man. Hey, Caleb, what was one thing that you learned from our interview today with Brad Lominick? Well, I actually learned a ton from this whole episode. Right. He freaking blew my mind. Well, that and I wasn't a part of the interview, so I got to learn even more. That is right. Caleb had a unique perspective on this one. He was actually getting to listen to a podcast episode he was not a part of. But I think my biggest takeaway was just the idea of the power of who, and he talked about it all throughout the entire podcast. And one statement that really stood out to me was just that the people you work with and the people you work beside are more important than what you do. I, I love that, but the one thing that I, that I that I really got out of it was there's another quote in there where he talks about how your 20s shape your 70s, and and I don't think we think oftentimes of our life as being connected that far apart. Like it's a 50 year gap, but I just thought how brilliant is it to think, hey, I'm setting the foundation now in my 20s. I mean, um, I'm 25. By the way, Caleb turned 26 
Caleb turned 26 last Friday. So if you see Caleb, if you know Caleb, wish him a happy birthday. Otherwise, you could tweet at him. At him. Anyways, he's now 26. He's an old man. But anyways, I, 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 never, I, don't, I guess I didn't really think about how, you know, our 20s really are shaping our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And that's stupid to not think of it that way because it's true. But we, but I, I don't know. I just didn't think of it that way. And so I, I just, you know, it really made me realize, hey, the decisions I'm making now do actually matter. Yeah, what we're doing now affects our future. Right. I thought that was a brilliant, that was my big takeaway from, from the episode. Yeah, and if you want to learn more from Brad, check out H3 Leadership. It's an incredible, oh my it's gosh. incredible it's prob- leadership It's book. probably in my top five, for sure. No, not probably. It is in my top five leadership books I've ever read. I mean, it is. Wow. It's top you five. It, you heard it from it's Todd, top five. from Todd himself. So check out H3 Leadership. Now, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we're doing two episodes this week and a couple of days from now on our Can next I tell episode. Him? Can I tell him? Can I tell him? Well, you already said we would, so we have to. We are having Jeff Henderson of Gwinnett Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He's going to be coming on and joining us on Thursday. And I'm so excited for this interview for you guys to be able to hear it. Yep, and it's an incredible interview, and so don't miss it. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our episode with Jeff Henderson is by subscribing to our podcast on your podcast player. So whether you use Overcast or Google Play or Stitcher or even the Apple iTunes you know, app. Or subs- tune in. Or tune in. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you learned something from this episode, you know, leave us a rating or write us a review. Or just let us know what we're what we can improve on, some guests, some future topics that you would love for us to talk about. We really appreciate it, and we do read all of the reviews and all of the ratings. And so we appreciate it so much. At me. At Todd Duke on Twitter. At me. But if you're gonna choose one or the other, leave us a rating and write a review of the podcast. So until next time, keep learning and keep growing. 